Schaefer, show me your best character. They started to come back and talk to me about characters. And they started to talk to me about, you know, why a person, why this character did that, why that character, like, you know, and I had, I had this, it was a new to me because I never had people come up to me and talk about my work like this. And then it, all of a sudden, it was I who kind of changed and was outside looking in, if this makes any sense, to this guy giving these characters that I created life. And that to me was very, that happened, and it was very special. Very, very special. Has fallen on Austin, Texas. It has fallen on us, me and my friends, sitting on the back porch in Matthew's backyard, looking at the North Star. I'm guessing that's the North Star. It must be the North Star because it's episode 100. Or say that again. Which episode is it? 168. Yes, that's right. Of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Shaper podcast spectacular. I had you say it again because I was fiddling with the buttons and you dropped out for just a second. <laughs> We're back. The fireflies are dancing in the backyard. So that means it is truly springtime here in Austin, Texas. We're excited to have it. Excited to see them. I recall a time not too long ago when there was a drought here in Texas and all of the fireflies disappeared. So I'm glad to see that they're back. It's important, important to us. Childhood, child Schaefer really liked fireflies. I guess any child likes fireflies. You know who else likes fireflies? The pride of Tarzana, California. The Marning Mystiker. The Mozambique Magnifiker. Matthew Ramby. My Shafee plays the mamba. Listen to the imaginary radio. Don't you remember? We mm. built this podcast. We built this podcast on rock and roll. Little starship for you. I, I'm quite sure that's my first starship parody, right? As far as I know. Yeah. It's got to be. Did you know that Bernie Taupin was one of the guys who wrote that song? I did not know that. Bernie Taupin and um, Martin Page, who I don't know, both English musicians. They were both living in Los Angeles at the time. The song was a criticism of the closing of all these rock clubs in L.A. in the mid-80s. Oh, and that was... <clears> and they were saying, like, hey, we built this city. Oh, because the, whis the whiskey... Oh, no, that was New York Whiskey A Go Go. The. Well, and then and then it, it says in, you know, my source, of course, here, Wikipedia, that uh, 
there's a there's some DJ some blurb at the first of the song, and it says, um, "Here's your favorite radio station in your favorite radio city, the city by the bay, that city that rocks, the city that never sleeps." So they're they're referencing <laughs> San Francisco, and then maybe LA, and then New York. New York so they're yeah. kind of saying this is like a thing happening. But uh, now you know a little more about that weird song. I woke up the other morning, and that song was just in my head. And the first thing I said to Amy as I was fixing breakfast was like, does that song say my Corgi plays the Mamba? And then we then we had to look it up. And it's well, Marconi. Marconi. Marconi plays the Mamba, who's the guy who invented the radio. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So... There's another little tidbit. Look, I'm excited about episode 168. Wait, were you going to say something else about Starship? No. Okay. Well, I guess I was going to say something about the song. I was going to ask you, Uh how many of our listeners do you think have such trained ears that they recognize that there was a three-part harmony in that performance? Um, Not just your normal... I, Schaefer helping out, but there was even maybe another voice in there. There was another voice. I was just about to mention that we're uh, we're we finally have a guest. It's been a minute since we have a, we had a guest. <laughs> yeah. We are joined this evening by the werepossum himself, Ben Bass. That's right. I'm Hi. back. Hi, how's it Second going? Second time on the show. Very excited. Second life, time on the show. Life is good. Yeah, life's real good. Thank you, you were an episode in the '60s, I think. What? Wow. I think it was in the like the forties. Oh yeah, dang. Okay, good. I don't know for sure. Let me look it up. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I. Re- I meant to look it up. I know it was on my computer in my house uh-huh. before my house was remodeled. It was it definitely during lockdown. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because well, I think lockdown? I did it from yeah. my garage or something. Didn't I zoom in? Or very soon, and there were some technical difficulties or something. Maybe it was just as we were emerging. From at, at the time, I don't think are you. I, the only reason that you did it, I guess, was because we were in lockdown, right? Uh, no, I mean, if anybody <laughs> I, asked me to be on a podcast and it's only happened twice in my life, I totally you, are, you always say yeah, yes. okay. super. Are you kidding? 100%. I got to tell people, sorry, I got to go. I got to leave work. I just got invited to be on a podcast. You were on episode forty-four, okay. December first of twenty twenty. Interview <laughs> with the Wear Possum. Where you you told the tale of uh, getting bit by mm-hmm. the was it a possum? Or yeah, it was a possum when I was a busboy at Cafe Brazil. Okay, Brazil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Which goes back to Ben and I met. Uh, we were working at no, we met in art school, mm-hmm. and you were working at this restaurant down on Old Barton Springs Restaurant Row, Pizza Nizza. Shout out to Mark and Sylvie Skiles, and but you had worked at you worked at a number of restaurants down there. Over the course of that, right? Yeah, my first one was Cafe Brazil, and I wasn't old enough to touch the liquor. And that was like, but, uh, you know, that, was one that, was the, that one was the closest to Zilker, right? Yeah, it was right next to it. Yeah. There was an empty field, and one time, I think, uh, Jonathan Holt did LSD and buried a bicycle out there. So, if you have a metal detector. Is that right? Huh. Well, that's a, um, or it's something. like a condo now. Oh, that's right. It's like a I condo. found found it. And that, that building that uh, Cafe Brazil was in was one of those restaurant locations that was like a million different things yeah, and never crazy. survived, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, it had a lot, too much real estate. It had like volleyball courts in the back. You know what I mean? And then that stuff had to get insured if you engaged with it. You know what I mean? I, it was a big, and it was a, a cool building. It was built in this Art Deco sort of 
uh, heroic metropolis like style, if you recall, sort yeah. of neon and curves and it looks cool. It was kind of like Miami. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. It had a great look to it. I'm fascinated by the psychology of the guy who goes, I'm going to, I'm going to start a restaurant in this building. That's been 10 different restaurants. Yeah. And I'm going to be the one to make it a success. Because sometimes it really is just about the location. There were a couple of those in Lubbock. Yeah, they there's were just some like, dead spots, yeah. They're just like, man, people would try and try and try a bunch yeah. of different things. And, and they can be like on either side of the same block. I remember in Houston, there was a strip, strip mall. And it was all owned by the same person. All looked exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But there was there was a road that separated it into two parts. And on what would have been the east section of the strip mall, all of the businesses were successful. But then when you jumped that road, like I say, it looked exactly the same. It was only, you know, 30 feet away or whatever. Then nothing could survive there. I think it's I think it's like geological and and there are places on earth that are that are draw you in like a magnet. San Francisco is like that. Or this is the whole Bay Area, the whole peninsula, it's like a tuning fork. And it just draws in weird people and it's just a really special place. And then there are just other places on earth that are just like cosmically and and metaphysically and sort of energetically dead. I think also... And with, sometimes they're right across the road from each other. Yeah. <laughs> and with Houston, it's all about traffic patterns. Oh. Like, yeah. I think... This makes a lot more sense. To actually. get to that, you know, is there on Richmond, there's a median. So to get to one part of the complex, you could just make a right. But a, or, but on the other one, you actually had to make a U-turn to get over there. And so mm-hmm. it was just all over. For <laughs> yeah. That's a lot less fantastical like, than my... I like your, show. like, uh, ley lines and... <laughs> no, I, 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 I've got a whole conspiracy theory well, about that would it. You're like, if you take a dowsing rod, you can find the successful restaurant location. Schaefer boils it down to human behavior. Right. right. Also, it's at a stoplight. And San Francisco is the perfect place to basically just run around naked all the time. That's why the weird people go over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. It never gets too cold to run around That's naked. Right. Well, at night, I suppose it does. But I mean, there's not snow. Right. You know, you can, yeah. right. There's not extreme temperatures. You, you might want to put a put on a cardigan in the evening. Uh-huh. I think I think it's that a clear poncho. You know when you you know when you're doing drugs and sometimes your body temperature can get away from you. San Francisco is in a like a. Almost like a space station tight, like you know, it's 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 forty five to sixty two, and that's it. It's never going anywhere else. Um, uh, Thanks for joining us tonight, Ben. Um, I wanted to bring this a little bit back to the roots of this podcast, which are exploring our friends' creative endeavors. Ben is a professor at UT. And what's how, how do, what's the nomenclature on your like? You're in the RTF department. You yeah. are teaching. What are your what are your courses I these teach, days? Uh, I teach in the production area of radio, television, film, as opposed to the studies side. And I teach courses in uh, sort of software, computer based, digital production stuff that is uh, adjacent to filmmaking with a physical camera. So I started by teaching visual effects. 
and um, in motion graphics, and I still teach that course. It's since 2008 I've taught it, and I teach it at Texas State too. And um, and that's basically sort of taking live action footage and whatever, adding to it, enhancing it, wow. transforming it. Yeah. What a discipline! Yeah, to have changed since 2008, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, like I. You know, I tell my student, and, and my background is actually not in film, it's in animation and games, and, and I, I like two things. I like to draw, and that's where Matthew and I met in art school, and, and I'm, I'm not great at it. I'm not good, as nearly as good as people I've worked with, but I'm pretty fast, which is handy, mm, too. He's, and then, he's but the other thing is I, I do like technology, and, and yeah, so yeah, it's been real fun, you know, because uh, I graduated in the 90s. And then, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be in the game industry and, and been a part of like, whoa, whoa, cool, 3D and CGI and this and that. And now AI and machine learning and all of that. Uh, it's really, really exciting because, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, um, I think the way that I go about teaching my sort of philosophy is that I'm not a big uh, sort of fan of should like, I feel weird telling people what they should do. And that's a discussion that a lot of people are having at the university. And I'm down for it. But I think... Should what I, I do could... a podcast? What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, you know, I'm a big fan of can. And so I'm really about like, okay, well, let's, let's Matthew, let's take this class on your terms. Like, what are you, what are you looking for? And let me help you, like, let me help you can do, let me help you do that. Like, support that. And then, you know, but part of my job is as a teacher is like, you will do it. <laughs> and so, like, I also have so... You know, that's that's basically how I approach the course, like not really should. So I, I really try to monitor my language. And, and anytime I say something, this is important. I'm like, no, wait a minute. It's important. You know what I mean? And so AI is one of those things that's so fresh and so new. And there are no shoulds about it. The technology is always changing. And you're like, oh, what can you do? What crazy thing can you do? So anyway, it's super fun. What, and, what, what, yeah. Just a moment, yeah. just a side track yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, what do you think about those images that AI is producing? So, like, the, I, like I yeah. saw this week a celebrity concrete eating contest mm. gener <laughs> generated by AI. And it was awesome. like yeah. all these different celebrities and it looked like they were like at a table like Kobayashi on the 4th of July. And they were just like munching on like concrete. Mm -hmm. That is hilarious. Mm -hmm. And then I've seen pictures of women. You know, like here is a different woman from each uh, culture around the world, a yeah. beautiful woman. And right. then I've seen pictures like from the past. Mm -hmm. Have you seen those? Oh, like, well, oh here's I mean, from the 20s. Yeah, yeah. They can do. Um, so... They all look hyper, re hyper real in a mm -hmm. way that mm -hmm. so far I don't think I can be fooled by one. Mm -hmm. So far. So far. Yeah. Likely it will. That that part of it, the sort of the, the visual execution of it will improve soon enough that i mean it's nearly indistinguishable it's pretty close yeah um and you can also see that the newer ones are better you know you can see the progress there again if you compare it to say 2008 right <laughs> it's are pretty different it's right um but yeah you know like i, I don't know the the what i think i'm excited about uh, sort of machine learning and a lot of this uh, new ideas because here's the, here's the reason here's the reason i'm a bad typist is uh -huh. the reason um, I could never do coding 
And it's not because I don't sort of understand the fundamentals of object-oriented language, you know, this and that. Like, I've done game stuff. It's just that I can't, I spell the word semester wrong every time. And I write that word a lot yeah. as a teacher. <laughs> and uh, the notion of coding has always seemed like it's had the sort of a priority in conversations about sort of, you know, creative group collaborative endeavors that I've worked on in the past. They get paid the most. And I've always sort of felt like, well, you know, they're just sort of stringing ideas into some language that a computer can understand. So I think uh, right now we're at this we're at this place where now it's not about sort of syntax or typing. It's about the prompt that you give it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, working in a place like UT, which is, you know, every department is recognized world class, you know, all the humanities, Latin American studies, Middle Eastern studies, you know, women's studies. There's all this like thought going on that's been sort of deprioritized in terms of like we got to serve industry, like we got to prepare students for the future. Like I, my bread and butter is skills, and my skills are making marks, and AI can do that too. You know what I mean? AI can write the code. AI can write the essay. But you know what I think is like it's very exciting now. We're all very impressed, and we can see the progress that it's making. But I think we're going to get to a point very soon where where the prompt, what we're telling it to do, people are going to start expecting. A little bit more sophistication out of it. I think the spectacle of it is going to erode pretty quickly. And I'm excited because, you know, at a place like UT, it's like, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, teaching young people how to articulate metaphysical ideas or understand the history of it and be able to draw from that. You know, the person who made that image from the 20s had a very specific set of things that they said to the computer. And I, I, you know, general AI, I, I couldn't speak about that because that's, you know, what is intelligence and sentience? I don't think we're as close as people think we are. But the what people are calling AI is really just a, a new uh, sort of level of automation. And this is great because what it allows us to do is like you were just talking about writing a book. You were talking about you know, putting together a fictional podcast, you know, like you have that idea in your gut. Yeah. If you can just say it and someone else could make the marks. I thought someone about else seeing a chat GPT or yeah, something. Yeah. Sure, a, sure. It's super put fun. It together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all sorts of crazy ideas. I would love to just see that. Yeah. And, you know, as an artist, you know, there's a project that it's in its nascency that we're beginning to work on. But uh, what we're going to do is, you know, you can feed Right now, the, these things are sort of scouring all images, and there's all sorts of ethical boundaries being crossed in a gray area about all of that. But you can feed it a specific thing. You could say, only look at Ben Bayes' drawings. And I have, you know this, box after box. I've never had one show. I've never sold one piece. I throw away the crummy ones, but I kept thousands of the good ones. You know, what I would like to do, this for my kids, is feed it every drawing I've ever made. And then give my kids the gift of like, you know, when I'm gone, you can just tell daddy draw to draw like whatever that. you want and it'll pop right out. And it's me. It'll be me. And I, I don't, you know, that's an exciting idea. And, and I don't, my students use it and they just, they are whatever. Fair use is fine if you significantly transform the image. And they do. You know, I allow that. I'm like, I welcome it. Yeah, bring it on. Show me what you got. And I get to watch it unfold in front of my eyes. But, you know, like. So your students are already using Oh, sure. Products? I can't prohibit it. We're doing digital media. Like, they, yeah. it's, they, I'm like, they get extra credit for showing me the link where they track this stuff down. I'm learning a ton just by, I've uh, 300 students and, and probably like 20 of them are active in this. And, 
it doubled from last semester and why not you know what i mean like i let's let's stop that's coding so cool. sorry let's stop the busy work the thing about how much of my life has been spent waiting for shit to download and upload and save and back up how much of my time has been spent waiting for a computer to put, let me put little things in little bit i just want to say it make me something that looks like miyazaki you know uh, did the cast castle in the sky means nausicaa part two or something. my brother tried to uh <laughs> my brother tried to tell chad gbt to write it write a schaefer hall poem mm -hmm. and it it recognized the existence of the poet schaefer hall but it said it couldn't find enough of my poems there you go to really you need to out. make your own you need to give it just to only you yeah you know what i mean of course it renders you sort of obsolete right so no, I mean, sure. Schaefer's right. a techno-optimist. He's ready to be obsolete. Definitely. He's yeah. he's ready for the singularity. And there's, you know, I think that there's probably, you um, know, if it is writing exactly like you, you could sit, sit down, you know, it'd probably have about the same success rate as me, you know, uh, and I could write really good yeah, Schaefer Yeah, but it could turn it out 24 hours a day. And it could write, write Schaefer all poems. We can, we can both do it. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Would So then in that same regard would the computer um render these drawings from you with all of the all of the quirks mm -hmm. well you know like i i uh, i don't know if you have this matthew but what's, every, what's every a, character like, what's ever, a recurring theme okay i'll tell you i'll tell you in my drawings uh, it's it, that everybody wait, it's... looks like me oh. <laughs> that's a recurring thing i never quite got women down they always look like me with lipstick on. Uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> Or, or I was going to say um, spa space stations. There you go. Space station vistas. There'd be a lot of hoses coming out of people's heads. And stuff. <laughs> Everybody would look like some weird android thing. Clones. You're making me up. feel better about this um, yeah. AI yeah. apocalypse. So. Uh, it's going to upset a lot. You know what I mean? Like any sort of like bean counting job, uh, you know, any sort of clerical sort of repetitive task, uh, any sort of billing, any sort of, you know. I feel like but this was... I mean, I know there, uh, we haven't even gotten to this space. I would definitely trust an AI doctor over a real doctor right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and also a lawyer. And there is one. And it's, mm. it's, it, they say it's for fun and you shouldn't take its advice. But I would, I mean, can you imagine a lawyer that had photographic memory of every court case that's ever been made? Like, Something uh, yeah, tells I'll take me that. the lawyers are going to get an injunction yes, on that that's particular the bot. The, all the gilded stuff and the unionized stuff is going to fight a little bit. So anyway, uh, I, you know, in terms of VFX and, and the digital imagery and sort of creative and communication, uh, you know, I... I it's definitely going to change things, probably on the level that photography did. You know, you think about painting Whoa. and how it was. Uh, <laughs> well, you think about painting and how it was approaching realism. You look at the oil paintings, like you know, in the late eighteenth century, and then but they were using the camera obscura, right? Well, yeah, the they had all sorts of tricks. Yeah, yeah, but also the skill level and the schools behind that had, right. had developed, and and it was a thing. And then photography comes along and it freaks everybody out. They think he was taking your soul. They were having all these conversations we're having about AI right now. And then that, that goes wow. from like 1830 until, you know, like mid to late 1800s. Actually, paper mills were invented in 1850. So we take advantage, uh, take for granted that we just have multiple sheets of paper around. But it's interesting that multiple sheets of paper was not around until well after photography was. So you would think it would sort of precede it. But you think about the impact on animation, like anyway. 
But yeah, photography, of course, renders all of that in a way obsolete. But then you have modern art pop out of it. People are like, well, say, what isn't photography? The, the things that, and I think that it that's brought about. Yeah, the next yeah. conversations are going to be, well, like, what AI is this? And it's not going to be everything that we are. It's like, what aren't we? We're, we're, what, we, how are we not like that? And then, I don't know. Shoot, that's exciting. So this is what I was yeah. just thinking about. Uh, when I was talking about myself writing a poem next to the machine writing the poem. Mm -hmm. And it's like another important thing to me, like, you know, like all of the business side of poetry, everything that happens after the poetry, after the poetry is yeah. written yeah. is the least is my, it's, it barely matters to me. Yeah. Like it's, it's the act of writing the poem and the feeling you get when you've completed a mm -hmm, poem. Mm -hmm. And that, that's everything. That's what, you know, why yeah, I do, do it. it. Yeah. It's, like it's for you in that moment. Helps me organize. Yeah. I call it like cleaning the kitchen of my brain. I think we're it's, both the same about our art, really. Like, neither of us have ever really taken our art and turned it into and, like a business. Yeah. So, until the computer has that feeling, I wonder, I wonder if that's, you know, kind of, you know, you start to, when you try to draw the lines between what is AI and what is just. A computer running subroutines mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. a stack of algorithms. Mm -hmm. Then you know that's that's one of those questions you have to ask. Like, you did a great job of that. Did you enjoy writing that? You know. Thank you. <laughs> and, well, you know that. I mean, that, that's a really important idea. I think, and and one that it's I, I sometimes have to explicitly tell my students because it's weird. Like, I work at UT. And I'm not a tenure track faculty. I, I didn't. I don't have a PhD or anything like that. I'm a professional track. They used to call us non-tenure track, and they used to call us lecturers and senior lecturers. And I was fine because I was a senior lecturer. And there are senior lecturers at Harvard and senior lecturers at Oxford. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm with those dudes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then they changed it. They're like, oh no, you're professional track faculty. And and you're also when was a, that? Uh, well, That's not too long ago, right? Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. And then they changed from senior lecturer. They changed me to associate professor, which is mid assistant's entry, associates mid, and, and full professor is senior. So they changed me to uh, associate professor of instruction. So I had to qualify myself in two ways. Of instruction says that I sort of focus on teaching pedagogy. And I do stuff in my department, but also sort of at a higher level at UT. And then I teach at Texas State and UTSA. So regionally, I'm sort of instruction-y. You know what I mean? I'm like, let's talk about digital media, different campuses, blah, blah. But the professional track faculty, the professional track uh, position is one that I do not like. I don't like that word because, and I tell my students, I'm like, I never made, uh, I was not a, a monetary financial success in my field at all. Like, I didn't do art. To get a job, you know, like I never had any like preconceptions that I was going to make a bunch of money. I hoped to, and I got lucky and that did happen in some degree, but I, I just did it because it's a c compulsion for me. Yeah, you I, know what I, I mean? I did like, because it, it was the thing that I loved. It was yeah. the thing I knew I would get up and go to class to do. Yeah. You know? It was just like, I just had to Which do was it. foolish, by the way, yeah. any, to any kids listening. It's a huge mistake. No. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> And that's something that I think about a lot, you know, just that the feeling you get when you've completed anything, mm -hmm. whether it's write a poem or paint a picture or clean the kitchen yeah, or uh, change the oil in your car would be a big one. You know, that's something that yeah. like makes 
a lot of people feel really good when they've done yeah. it, especially if they weren't quite sure how to do it at the beginning. Yeah. And then you finish it yeah. and that wonderful sense of accomplishment. Yeah. But that's when, whenever I, you know, people talk about, you know, jobs being replaced and humans just sitting around, yeah. you know, staring at the wall. Um, or, and also people in the conversation about having a universal income, mm -hmm. which is something that would, might not be far away too after all of this AI stuff comes online. At least if you're a techno-optimist like me. Um, the, the people are, whenever they have that conversation, they're forgetting about that feeling, that compulsion that human beings have to, uh, to, to get that feeling that you get from doing something. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, you know, that's what will keep people, keep people doing things long after mm -hmm. robots have, you know, taken over most of what... Uh, most yeah. of the humdrum tasks of, uh, of humanity. Yeah. I was feeling a sense of dread until Ben started talking about, until Ben started comparing it to the photography and thinking about how, how art, how that changed art. And so yeah, it didn't go it, away. It, 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 it seems to yeah. me that with the AI, there's going to be a period of a kind of a gotcha culture right here at the first. People are just going to be trying to fool each other with AI constantly. And yeah, then, you know, and it's then like our it'll digital... be used in a more refined way and separated mm -hmm. out from, you know, the labor of a human hand will become even more rare and special mm -hmm. when when menial tasks are just so easily automated. Mm -hmm. I, if I feel like it was a good time to get into carpentry. I do. I, 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 spent, I spent 20 years yeah. uh, go doubling down on a digital life. Mm -hmm. And then I came to a point where that was bumming me out. And I've made this yeah. switch to a, the physical world. And like, I'm glad to be existing in the physical world. Did, are you, did you take your fob apart over there? I did. And there's something weird happening with it. I didn't. Is it because I, did I do something? No, no. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> that fob is the bane of my existence, and I can't turn I, it off. So, look, yeah. I, I didn't mean to. to we, AI was not on the show sheet. We started yeah. talking about creative endeavors. Which what I wanted to get at by out. introducing you yeah. and talking about what I wanted to get out of about the singularity is always on the show sheet. It's right there, it's right on, there. on the tip of our Feel lips. <laughs> um, what I wanted to get to was a, a future, a very soon future thing that Ben is doing. Um, he conned the the department mm -hmm. of the RTF department into into giving him some dough, yep. some cash, some skrill to to do. What are you doing this summer? You're doing a trip. Uh, uh, Tell that, us about your trip this summer. Uh, okay, well, Ask, I act like you're conning us. Like you're an Irish charlatan. <laughs> we're a couple of marks. Right. Just some okay. guys with a podcast. Okay. Go. Okay. Moody College of Communication, world class, right? Allegedly, go on. Lots of different departments. Journalism, that's where it started, journalism. RTF in 1965 comes along. There's other ones advertising. Walter Cronkite Plaza, yeah, yeah. which is out because of uh, DEI. Right. At the, uh, at, the, at the core of many of the departments within Moody uh, is, is uh, the notion of media, the word media. And, and most of the time what we're talking about is mass media. And that starts with the printing press, really, in my opinion. 
And I mean, they're sort of monumental inscriptions, hieroglyphics. There's a prelude to this, but the printing press hits, and we all know that number one is the Bible. Number two is Aesop's Fables, illustrated with anthropomorphic characters. Cartoon, a comic strip. Is that right? Huh. Numero dos. Yeah, yeah. Aesop's Fables. Aesop's Fables. So what's the time period? Uh, this is 1500s, and it's in Germany, okay. I believe. Oh, oh, you're ta- oh, you're talking about printing, the, the printing press. Printing press. Yeah, right. yeah. And that was adapted from... Anyway. So from that moment on, of course, there's... Yeah, I meant when, what, when were Aesop's Fables written? Oh, I don't, I don't know. But they were okay. printed. Well, that's even older. It's yeah, like yeah, Greek so. or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so from that moment on, there was this this uh, image and text thing going on in books and then newspapers, and, and the, the the audience was illiterate a lot of the time, right? So you have uh, caricatures of Englishmen, John Bull, and, you know, French, you know, and you've seen the things of them carving up the world with their big sort of flamboyant sort of admiral hats and stuff like that. You have all the rude stuff that's uh, sort of counterculture, and anytime there's censorship, there's a lot of like comics that come out. There's this tradition of, of uh, you know, comics. And it follows technology as technology and printing develops. You get color, you get halftones, you get all these interesting uh, things sort of going on hand in hand. And then eventually the that uh, uh, technology of duplication, I would, I would say, sort of morphs into uh, cinema and photography. And then uh, sort of film and cartoons, what we call Moving cartoons. pictures. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I have had this idea sort of floating around for a while of really trying to connect the different departments in Moody uh, with a course that I, I gave last summer. It's called Comics and Cartoons. And, and it, it explores this very idea, uh, taking sort of an a, a in-depth look at the form and how it has evolved, you know, through the years into the sort of the modern uh, and all the offshoots of that, you know what I mean, that you see animation in and, and just, uh, and of course it has a tradition that's rooted in Renaissance art and, and, you know, all of these wonderful sort of movements and art. So it's, it's a cool thing. It's a cool lens to sort of, uh, chronologically go through the last few hundred years and, uh, it's connected to a lot of different departments. And so, I ran this course, and I think it—I think it has a lot of potential. And I'd like to push it down. Right now, it's an upper division course, which means you have to be a junior or senior to take it. And it's an elective course, and it's taught just by me. And uh, I want to change it in a couple of ways. First of all, I'd like to have it co-taught or get a couple of guest people in who are like a writer from comic book industry. I know a couple of people, and then also a scholar who deals with maybe sort of the criticism, fan culture, representation in, et cetera, et cetera. I know a lot of sort of media studies people in that in that area. And I wanted to put together a sort of a super course. And this super course would be offered at sophomore. And really, as since, since we're among friends, my ideal situation is that it's a freshman level core curriculum course. And so there are just a few of these at UT. They have about a thousand students a semester. It's basically sort of like the slam dunk course. You know, you will never be fired if you teach one of these courses <laughs> because it's just an absolute moneymaker. I have a couple big courses I have a course right now. I have 244 students. We just had the screening for that tonight, by the way. And so um, I have, after this podcast, I have to go back home and maybe go to buy the office. I have 358 assignments to grade. So I'm used to working at scale here. And I have multiple, I have four TAs. 
those classes have about 30 TAs, but I've been an, a lead artist on a team with about 30 people. And so I'm used to managing sort of at that scale. Um, so this course is called Comics and Cartoons, and uh, I'm going to keep working over. I'm, I'm offering it again this summer. And again, it's just me, but I'm trying to bring in some of the conversations I've had about it. So here's what I propose. Here's here we get to it. All right. Here's the cell. Here's the cell. That's that's a pretty good cell, right? I can draw. You know what? I'm good. I'm good at drawing almost the same thing over and over. That's it. That's all I can bring to the students. That's 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 what animation is to me. I, I'm good at, at executing it, and and I can do whatever you want, right? And I can teach the students that. I can teach you how to draw. I can teach you how to anthropomorphize stuff. I can teach you perspective, figure drawing. I can teach you all everything you need to know how to be really good at drawing. And that's definitely part of this course. In fact, every assignment is an exploration of things like representation of gender, race in, in the form. But instead of writing about it, you have to draw it. And you don't have to be good at it. In fact, it's funnier for me if you suck at drawing. But you do have to intentionally engage with the uh, deeper idea behind what's happening with comics and cartoons. And so since I only know how to draw, and I don't really have any sort of studies background, uh, masters or anything like that. I proposed that in order to add depth to the conversation, that the college, Moody College of Communication, send me to Europe. And I proposed, there were three line items here. The one is a round trip ticket to Europe. And the second is a 22 day uh, first class, come on, Eurail pass. Mm -hmm. Sure. And uh, then the third one is uh, $250 per diem. And they said, yes. So this summer uh, in July 10th through August 7th, I'll be traveling to London and then to Amsterdam and then to uh, Brussels, Frankfurt, Basel, Switzerland, Milan, Italy, Barcelona and Madrid, Spain, Porto, if I can get them to open the journal, uh, the press museum, it was closed down, I, I believe, because of censorship over COVID. But I, I understand that uh, I could probably get in contact with the uh, curator of that museum. And if I said I was a visiting professor, they might yeah. let me in. Unlock the door. Yeah. And then I will go to France to a little town called Angoulême, which uh, was sort of historically had a paper mill. There we go. Back to 1850. Uh, and they have a, 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 some activity in comics and cartoons. And then a little town called Blois, B-L-O-I-S. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And then finally to Paris. I will be visiting 18 collections of comics and animation in one month at a brisk run. So uh, that that's what I'm going to be doing this summer. I'm very excited. That you know, like I, I didn't have a lot of money growing up and, and travel was one of those things where it's like, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, Matthew, I've been around, uh, you know, you dropped out of college and went to India, you know, and came back. I got to I got to finish up this degree. I like it here in the States. And uh, yeah. And then I've been, you know, to Europe a couple of times. And, and but this is sort of the the grand tour through the lens of comics and cartoons. So the, the 18 collections are uh, sort of reliably located in or adjacent to colleges or programs. So I'll also be introducing myself to colleagues at uh, sort of uh, other animation, comics, and digital media sort of universities. And I have a lot of uh, uh, my own sort of colleagues in the department know people there. 
Um, so that's part of it. Uh, and that's sort of a stretch goal of uh, the first goal is really just honestly, and I was very honest about this, is my own edification. Yeah. It's are you, like are you I, be I taking I can, like extensive notes. I think I'm going to take a microphone, uh, and uh, but not a camera. Maybe a camera, but I'm not going to try to record. I will try to, if people are open to it, to it, maybe interview. But uh, I need to prepare it in different languages, just to, because I think I do want to ask uh, maybe some a series of questions. I don't know. So I, I'm in this phase now where I'm booking and sort of. Uh, email introducing myself mm. or getting introduced to counterparts over there because um this yeah, american can, is coming this weekend and yeah yeah wants to talk to us and then it. yeah i feel that i can those you know ut has uh is a great school uh and is actually rtf is pretty well known internationally and so uh look think, we're not looking for a higher education so you don't have to sell okay us cool. you know what don't choose yeah no yeah. Um, I already have a degree from there. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that there, uh, those other schools might be interested in partnerships. And so here's my long-term goal is to uh, lay the foundations for a study abroad course that I run every summer uh, into retirement. (laughs) And I have the next step set up. I'm teaching a course called uh, Introduction to Digital Arts and Media, which is an interdisciplinary, so it's multiple majors. And that is interesting in that it pays a $3,000 a year stipend research stipend so i I can't keep that money but i can spend it on a return trip to europe so i'm going to do this one this year and then i've got three grand to go again for the next three years and so i'm going to lock this stuff it's like that old saying give a man a travel fellowship and he travels for one summer i I don't know yeah yeah then what yeah Yeah. what ideas do you have or what Mm -hmm. questions you like you mentioned you know there's the printing press yeah and then the bible and then the first thing was that Aesop, the anthropomorph. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a lot like what comics do. You know, they have yeah. a little an, animal like right. satire running around. Right. Allegory. Right. Yeah. Uh, all of that stuff. Yeah. What 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 things are you looking to explore? What questions are you looking to answer yeah. with, with uh, by exploring these older yeah. comics and cartoons? Well, you know, that's a great question, and and it's interesting because I don't. One of the things I was aware of is that I don't have a question. And so there are people that go on research trips typically have a, a, a hypothesis or, you know, like their thesis. Yeah. And they do these things very specifically. They're like, I believe that, you know, this led to that. And I'm going to go to Frankfurt and I'm going to look at these things. And so I asked some of my studies colleagues, I'm like, I haven't even taken research 101. What? How does what is what is what 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 do I even begin to ask? You know what I mean? Like, okay, uh, I'll be talking to someone who's very familiar with their collection and likely the sort of like German comic scene or the Belgian, and and it's sort of what it has led me down. I've talked to a few people, an archivist, uh, you know, uh, things like that, and and there's an area of research called sort of ethnography, right? Yeah. Ethnographic stuff, and so. Uh, what it seems to me is that uh, what I'm interested in, although I'm not entirely sure, is just sort of exploring sort of the cultural roots uh, regionally of each of these things. Because we have American comics, but the publishers are sort of monolithic. You know what I mean? You have Marvel, and then there's some other stuff like Image Comics and, and uh, Vertigo. And anyway, the, those have a sort of tone to them. But in Europe, they're they're much more like, these are comics from France. These are those... 
Italian ones where they do with photographs. They do a lot of photo collage I'm stuff. Sure, when you look so, at the difference between yeah. us, a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, and so years. you're like, why? Why do the Italians do it that do it way? Different. Yeah. What is what is what's leading up to their comic scene? And you know, it's interesting because in Europe. I mean, a lot of it gets back to those roots. Like, let's talk about perspective in Renaissance painting. Because obviously, like, any European comics artist worth their salt is likely to have encountered artwork in museums that maybe we haven't. Yeah, yeah. Classical European sort of painting and drawing. You know, like, I don't know. We're from Austin. We have just a couple of museums and only recently. Anyway, so, I don't know. People have... You know, they've sampled a lot of the sort of the local art and stuff like that. But um, I don't know, so exploring that. But it's, it's you know, the in terms of like European comics like that you might recognize, it's it's often very modern. You know, like French comics as we know them, like Mobius and stuff like that. Asterix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff is, you know, started after America era. Uh, you know, and England starts it a little bit with, well... The original stuff was just the one panel, like editorial, like let's do yeah. some racial caricature of a Spaniard and saying something terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the making fun of other countries uh, or making fun of some sort of policy, you know, it was political. It was yeah. in the, you know, it was drawing from a journalistic perspective, but it was the the satirical element of, of that. You sure. know what I mean? Which is interesting. And then later it turns into entertainment like strips, like books, like the adventures of some kid, like the spot, you know what I mean? And that a lot of that's British. And then the Americans take it up. And then, of course, like anime, that's an entirely other different conversation. And then, uh, you know, the one thing I didn't include is anime. I'm like, no, this is really just honestly, it's just Western Europe. I mean, there's there's traditions everywhere, right? You know, and, sure. and I could pick this up in different places, but in you know, in terms of train travel and sort of density of different types of stuff, and the Spanish stuff's very interesting because of Franco and censorship, and then you get stuff like Judge Dredd coming out of that. If you're familiar, which is a very dark vision of the future, and and he he is sort of the the guy you root for, but he's a fascist. And, you know, he's judge, jury, and executioner. He's sort of yeah, this yeah. admirable anti-hero. And the tensions of censorship in Spain sort of really drive that. They're like, they're trying to be like, oh, yeah, cops are good. But really, like, uh, it's a sort of a bleak version of the Wait, future. Is, where, is Judge Dredd a Spanish? Well, a lot of the original stuff, yeah, was, was illustrated and written by some Spanish guys in collaboration with English guys. And then this is punk scene also. And so, as I said, sort of counterculture, you're getting a lot of like, if you look at interviews with the people who work on European comics, a lot of those guys look pretty tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're, uh, they're, they're provocative and angry and you, Charlie Hebdo, if you remember that from Paris, like sure. that's, that's exactly what it is. It's that it, it is that counterculture. That's a part of it. And if you look at Asterix or if you look at Tintin, or if you look at the Smurfs, like in their DNA is that Charlie Hebdo stuff. A lot of those artists, you know, Peo and who did the Smurfs, uh, Pierre Cuilliford, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, you know, like his protégés all went on to work at Charlie Hebdo and do that sort of like sexy French stuff. And it's like, but he's the guy who sort of started as the Smurfs guy. But if you read the Smurfs closely, like it definitely has a European tone. Like, you know, a lot, it's the sort of traditional fantasy. Maybe we'll get to fantasy here in a second, but the Smurfs is like grounded in this, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's European fantasy. Like there are crumbling castles and they put 
potions together with like mandrake and stuff that's in the Harry Potter books and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It it is uh, the flora that you find in Europe and and you know uh, all of that. So, um, but it, there's a couple of Smurfs uh, books that are. One of them is called the Finance Smurf, and it's actually a pretty sharp criticism of capitalism. And when you read it, you're like, this would never get published in the United States. You just know that no one would do it because it's like uh, one Smurf decides to loan money to the others and everybody gets indebted. The whole thing gets fucked up. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it goes on and on. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like they're really like breaking it down how capitalism fails in some sense you know like it it has a socialist tone which is refreshing i read it to my kids and it was like those of us just sitting back here and watching it i mean we're 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 of that socialist tone here like pretty sure anyway uh yeah the smurf i love the smurfs so i can't wait to go to to there and brussels and all that matthew i didn't put anything on the show this is is the this is the theme to your to your trip. This is it's me. very it's techno. A it's Europe. Like I'm on the train. It's like Eastern uh-huh. Germany. Yep. Uh, yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm Sorry, going, the for, robot guys, I'm going full and cowboy. Just I, just, I decided I'm going full cowboy. Are you going to do like, the, the Jeff Marslet? Um, I'm doing uh, jeans. Belt buckle. I have a big belt buckle. Uh, I got the pearl Dude. snap shirts. Oh, that's going to uh, be I got so a suede great. vest that's and a bolo tie. And I, and people are <laughs> telling me to get the vest. hat. Yeah, why as well go? I and y'all, I'm six four. I look good. I look good, full cowboy. I got a big yeah. beard. Like, and that's great because then will allow me to sort of flub the that's language endlessly, fantastic. and people will just be charmed by it. I'm, like, I'm sorry, y'all. I don't speak Texan. One magical hour. I've been sitting here looking at Ben's beard and just so jealous. It is it's perfect, scraggly. No, mine. I feel like mine's mine's gnarly. Um, Look, both of you guys you have fun. fantastic you hair. You look fantastic. You look so beautiful. God, Matthew, <laughs> I have a question for you. Yes, it's been on my mind this is week. Is this a Matthew? Have you ever wondered, Matthew? Why is it? Let's slow that down. Matthew, have you ever felt? No, uh, it comes up on the show sometimes. Uh, your appreciation of the exquisite feeling of shedding through it. Are you yeah, having sure. a little schadenfreude? I was wondering if you felt any this week. Maybe about a specific uh, news talking head wears silly bow ties. Um, are you talking about Tucker Carlson? Yeah. <laughs> something bad, something happened to him? Yeah, he got uh, shit canned. Yeah, think. he got. Well, first, yeah, Fox News got slapped with you know, $789 million settlement. Is that a lot for them? For or not? No, I didn't no. no, It's a drop in the bucket for them. But but it's it was it's an unusual thing to occur. yeah yeah uh, for defamation or whatever it is of oh. the uh, voting company for saying oh. that the voting dominion thing, over, yeah dominion yeah yeah and so defamation it, it's not it's not a big number for Fox News but yeah, I think it's, it still hurts enough that they. Uh, Wanted to figure out who was to blame that they decided Tucker Carlson was to blame mm. and kicked him to the curb. Good. Well, he I was don't... one of the most provocative people on there, and they had those text messages from him <laughs> where he knows the that he's he knows the election was fine. <laughs> and he's perpetuating these yeah. things that pander to this base and And listen, Tucker Carlson's gonna land on his feet, I have no doubt about it. But I did feel a you, bit of, when you say land on his feet, you mean a right? He, well, he's going to like a more extreme 
platform. Yeah, go to work for Lore or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I don't even. The Fox is the one that plays in all the military barracks, right? So I mean, it's the right wing. Yeah, wherever they're people to the right of it center. Plays in the mil- in the canteen for sure. But then, if you're really extreme, you watch OAN, OAN One America Now. Oh, I, I haven't seen that. You haven't because you live here, s- yeah, in this beautiful blue bubble. It's true. But I just watch cartoons. You never go to Lubbock. That's where I saw OAN. Oh, in my dad's house in Lubbock. I never do go to Lubbock. Yeah, smart. Uh, but wait, just just to wrap up though, I, there's a lot, I, a lot of wonderful what things. The, about Lubbock, what's the opposite of Schadenfreude? What's the opposite of Schadenfreude? It's, it's jealousy. <laughs> yeah, I <guess> so. <laughs> um, I'm somewhat envious of my friends' summer travels, and oh, no, I that, didn't even—I didn't even know about the three-year recall and then the possible like turn it into a summer thing. Y'all, uh, I'm like going a, to Europe, like Europe guy. and everybody's invited. I mean it. If y'all want to come this summer, anybody who's listening. What did just you, what find did you me on the me? way. You can stay we in my Airbnb. About, I, they were talking about airline costs on the yeah, radio the yeah, other day. Yeah. That they're high. Okay. And then, but somebody else was telling me they had gotten a ticket to go to Europe. $1,086. Oh, oh. $1,086 round trip. $1,086. Oh, uh, John, John Pope said they went to the Amalfi Coast and like Italy and stuff for like $850. I was actually just on a, in a map, on a map planning a the trip in my head. I want to go to Berlin and do kind of a big Berlin circle. Is yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah. Through Poland. So, you know, I lived in uh, the Polish neighborhood in, you did? in Brooklyn and I kind of developed a love for them. Uh, yeah. In that regard. And I just, I feel like it'll be kind of a more out of the way, weirder place. Yeah. Than, uh, right. You know, Paris, London. Yeah. I, yeah. Berlin, I can get the classic Berlin, will be Berlin stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then I can even come down through, uh, I don't know, Vienna or something, I can get a little bit of piece of that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh or God. Prague, I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. Uh, but I th- I was I was doing that in my head. I think that, that if I if I could make it over there, that might be my my project. Oh, yeah. And I love trains, so. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm about to spend a lot of time on trains. Yeah, that's, so. that sounds so much like so much fun to me. Try to do some drawing. Is what That's I'm something I miss a lot a about the Eastern Seaboard is being able to just, oh yeah, never get, you know, get an itch, go down to the station, and then and then that afternoon you're in Boston, or yeah. that afternoon you're in Washington. Oh my city. god, yeah, so much fun. So and you usually make some friends along the way. There's usually good camaraderie on those trains. Yeah, get a little drunk and nice. and uh, have some fun. Yeah, oh, I'm really jealous, definitely. <laughs> Another creative endeavor of Ben's is he plays Dungeons and Dragons right. on the regs with a with like a pretty stellar group of people, yep. right? Yep, yep, with a bunch of parents of kids who teenagers who play. But they're they're accomplished like programmers and yep and yeah. There's a concept artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a couple people who have crew, companies. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're um, and I don't really I don't Blue's know house. their real names. It's just Reptar. <laughs> Yolanda. <laughs> So we, we have this idea. They drive nice cars, though. So We have this idea on One Magical Hour that we might do a D&D episode mm-hmm. sooner than later. But okay. but we won't do that tonight because no. who has the time for all yeah. that? But yeah, yeah. but we but we, we thought we might. One. Magical that's hour. right. That, sometimes it's like an hour 15. And that's I okay, imagine but... that special episode. We're going to. 
We're gonna go a little Christmas long. episode. Yeah, that episode is like a two-hour. That's okay. like there's a snowpocalypse. The and I'm the only one with gas heat, and y'all thinking all come about over. the D and D episode. Yes, usually you would probably want there to be one more person involved, right? Or not? You know, the ideal party you, size is like four, three to four. But uh, I mean, but, but yeah, we could do three, and sure. you could be we the could do DM. Two. Yep. Yeah, yeah you okay. could do two. I was thinking that maybe we get. We get one fan of one magical hour to be the third. Oh wow! Yes, let's and, do it. Uh, you yeah. have fans. Yeah, we definitely okay. do. Okay. Um, uh, shout out to new listeners, Abby and Zach, uh, from the front page. Actually, Zach was wearing a shirt that said uh, "Chaotic Good." Oh yeah, him. that's me. Oh, I also good. am chaotic good. You know, yeah. you know how I know I'm chaotic good is from the internet meme where. That gives you your D and D alignment based on how you put bread away, and I'm the, I'm the twist and fold under. Okay, that's yeah, chaotic good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's how I roll too. Uh, well, if I could, you know, if the tie little I guess little wire wants, thing is everybody happening. wants to be chaotic good, right, or chaotic oh, neutral? Oh my gosh! Wait, but let let's just look at that chart real quick. Um, Are you able to find it? The so we're y'all are, so y'all want to play some D and D? Is that what you're saying? Is well, we I, yeah, I'd like to play okay. some D and D, and or and kind of I'd like to leave it up to you if you yeah. want us to if you want to do it in the D and D universe or yeah. if you want to do it in your own Ben Bay's. You know, that's a great RPG question. Universe, that's a great question, and so uh, yeah, we so could be cavemen in space. Yeah. Well, the thing about you know Dungeons and Dragons it has a the role playing game. Tabletop role-playing game is a set of mechanics that uh, one thing that's interesting is that you cannot copyright that. And so I can make up a game that does exactly the same thing that D&D does, but uh, it's sci-fi or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is this first. Um, they call and there's skins, a, there's right? sort of it's an alternative... Sci-fi. Uh, sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's an alternate fantasy version. There's a, an alternate D&D-like version called Pathfinder. And I just—I feel like we're doing a prelude to playing D and D. So I'll give you sort of some context on it. So D and D is awesome and very popular right now, and it's—it's it's owned by the right same now. People. Yeah, some people did it ever fall out? Yeah, it was you know I, the I mean, company. I, mean, I haven't played the company, it since second grade, but yeah. but but I have have thought of it it's as always around. kind yeah. of around. The thing is, is yes, they in, in they the have last... they have cornered the market on there's sort a of, flowering, there's a fad. Okay. It's yeah. definitely it's, right now. It's hotter. I think it's hotter now than it's, yeah. a lot of my students play it. Okay. Um, it has but to do with with uh, people our age being nostalgic, but also like yeah. uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Set it off. Okay. And, well, you know, and it's interesting. You know, I have a lot of students. I teach uh, at the university, and there there is a sort of uh, I don't know if it's ever going to take off, but there's sort of a post smartphone. Uh, group now. Oh, good. And so, and this, this group My is people. this group is uh, uh, you know has you know they've done it. It's not like they're you know right. The, the but sort they're of choosing to use. A, yeah. They're choosing to live <laughs> IRS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with you know we were talking about AI earlier and digital identity, and I think that you sort of brushed against this idea of like we can't trust any. You know, like if you called me on the phone tomorrow, I was like, Hey man, I need help. Can you go? I would probably go and it would be like a computer program. You know, the, the our, I'm glad my of, grandmothers are dead. Yeah. Our, our physicality or our, our, our corporeal qualities are, you know, like, I don't know. 
your grandmother got done? I got a call from my grandmother once asking, she was like, are you Uh-oh. in jail in Africa? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I yeah. said, no. And she right. said, oh, well, that's good. I, mm-hmm. she said, I didn't think so, but yeah. with you, you can't ever be quite sure. Right. Well, yeah, I think we're, you know, it's, it's weird. You know, we, we may be coming into a time where it's like, we need to meet in person yeah. to do this. You know, like a lot of things might need to be done in person. Let's you know, do it. Like in, in order for there to, to be real trust. Which Especially after the last couple of years. But, you know, you got COVID also. As then, a then there comes that level of like building a machine that looks so much like us, right? Ex Machina. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's okay. I didn't, didn't it's interrupt you. But. Yeah, there's lots of different rule sets. It's kind of open season. If you go to half price books or whatever, you can find this and that. And I may, uh, I may actually be lawful neutral. Oh, yeah. Now that I'm looking, <laughs> now that I'm looking at the yeah. at the chart. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I think there are three pinnacles to any sort of RPG game. One is going to be sort of exploration, and and sometimes that means sort of detective work. Okay. Uh, okay. So I don't like that. I don't like mysteries and puzzles works. are part mm, of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That you like that? Yeah, yeah. It can be fun. Okay. And then a lot of it is just like getting I'm not good at that. But the funnest, the funnest part is combat. Let's be yeah, yeah. real. Yeah, combat. So combat's I, yeah, I another part. Melee. Yeah, yeah. So in combat, the rules usually sort of shift a little bit, and it becomes more about like taking turns. Are we rolling dice? Yep, you're rolling a shitload of dice. Actual dice. Yep. Or you could, there's digital ones. D and D Beyond has clickety clack. I don't want D twenty. You know that it's interesting though that you bring that up. I want it's to, interesting I want to roll the actual. Yeah, dice. because because you know, then I can use the force. Yeah, because you know the idea of random. Sorry, there's a train going by. Hudson <sighs> River Line. Watching the waveform is hilarious. Okay. I'm in a New York state of mind. I hope that we can remember what we were talking okay. about before that train. Yeah. What were you saying? I'll start over. No, no, no. Don't start over. Role-playing games. Three pinnacles. Or three pillars, sorry, rather. Yeah. Exploration or detective work, investigation. Yeah. What's the other one? Combat. Uh-huh. We, we talked where, about those. Where there's a lot of dice rolling. What's the third? Role-play. Role-play. Yes. Okay. So you all are talking about... You got to commit to your character. Yeah, you're talking about your alignment. And the thing is, is like the the character can be you, but it's not it's not you. It's that character. So okay. that you know, uh, Do you to be talking a good, the character's voice to be a, yeah. Well, you should. Better, yeah. <laughs> and if you can give it a, like a little English accent or a little a little Irish accent, that's how. No. I could give it an accent. <laughs> you can give it. Yes. No. Oh, um, that'd be just yeah. grand. An accent can be helpful because a lot of the time, of course, you you want to express yourself in character. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just like but sometimes you want to get meta. That's when you sort of talk out a character where you're like, uh, "What I think my character would like to do is blah blah blah." blah. But it's it, I think it's more successful if you're if you just play in character with all of your foibles, and uh, you you know you try to make it funny. Oh, okay, that's the one we want to do, right? You don't want to win it. Yeah. Okay, all right. But t- t- today we're just gonna we're gonna get on this app. Yeah, yeah. What's it called? Diddy Beyond. Yes. And we're going to just make our characters. Yeah. Well, let's make a character on D&D okay. Beyond. So, oh, I can too. I think I have this. Well, I don't, maybe. Do you need to just guide us? Well, I'll I'll use it. And that way okay. I can talk about it. Okay. And I'll expand upon the choice. Create character by. Okay. I've said. I've said. Yeah. To click the button to make character. You got two choices. Create character from a selection of exciting pre-made adventures. No way. <laughs> Uh, or create a character by making choices using a step-by-step approach. Oh, yes. I'm going to go with that one. Custom. Standard be- 
Okay. Show help text. Here we go. Okay. I, I'm not good with Start apps. This is good. I won't look at it. Y'all talk me through it, and then I'll talk back. Standard. So. standard. Or quick build or random. I mean, we want standard, standard right? Standard is what I did, yeah. Sure. Okay. Start building. Choose a, choose a race. Okay. Human. Elf. Wait, that's not where I started. Mine, I mine says character preferences. Oh. Uh. Well, how come mine's different? Oh boy, this this really Home, ruined the podcast. Race. Oh, I think it's because I chose. There's some tabs or something. Yeah, I chose to have more more information. Oh, here's for race. Me. Okay, choose a race. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. Oh boy, there's a bunch of races here. There's what are they? What's that first one, Chafee? Arcocra. That's a bird person. Arcocra. It's like a or a dragonborn. There you go. Or a dwarf. There you go. Or an elf. What's a genese? Uh, you can be a stone genese. I think you're like sort of a, a, an elemental sort of okay. humanoid figure. There's gnome. There's Little, goliath. You're, you're big. There's half elf. Half elf. Yep. Half orc. Yep. Halfling. Human. Tiefling. Yep. Hoof. The tiefling looks Who like a demon. Who chooses human? Come on. I, I'm a human. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Or variant Asimar. Y'all are playing with, like, all the expanded stuff. I see. Shavy, what are you going do with here? Do I have here? to come up with my name now? I can do it later, right? You can do it later. It's, yeah. Take your time on that. Uh, Let's see here. My, 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 I, have a, I have a cleric, a human cleric, and his name is Durful. Durful? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm drawn to elf, but I should be a dwarf. Why right? do you say that? Well, I don't know. At least in terms of like traditional fantasy stuff, I think I... I, I, think I, I don't quote me on this, but I feel like the dwarves are like have a higher constitution and, you know, sort of I, able to endure more. I look up to dwarves. Both of you, elves because and dwarves, I'm very have, sure. have the ability to see in the dark, which humans do not. So... Uh, that's an important characteristic. Okay, but maybe you should consider these other things, like a Goliath. Sure. Mm, a half-orc. Half-orc, yeah. Why? Okay. Mm, nah, that's not really me. You're likely to be very I, I think I'm going to go with... Oh, we don't have drow elves, huh? Dragonborn. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go with one of the traditional sure. ones here. Yep. I'm, cho I'm trying to choose... Really, I'm just trying to choose between a dwarf and an elf. Okay. Who do you see me more as? Really, hmm. elven or dwarvish? I think I'm. I feel like this progeny of a dwarf and an elf. Okay, I feel like half dwarf, half elf. Dwarf. Maybe one of them. A dwarf. <laughs> uh, yeah, Shavy, what are you going with? It's going to influence homebrew, my decision. Homebrew those rules. Yeah, sure, sure. Look, okay. I'm going to be what I want to be. Okay. I'm going to be an elf. Okay, I'm an elf. So you're sort of a high slender. elf, a wood elf, yep, or a Eladrin elf. Oh, That's like from the across the sea or something. Uh, I'm maybe. a wood elf. Yeah, yeah. Wood elf. Tiefling. Yeah, you look sort of like a demon if you're a tiefling. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. There. I want to be like you're demonic. I think your language is demonic. Yeah. I'm headed towards uh, some sort of a cleric sort of. Character. Oh shit! A hell. I cleric. wanted to be a yeah. cleric too, man. Oh, 
Shoot. Let's, have, let's right. do a I'll poll. Ch- I'll, party change of all it. I'll change it up. I'll be an elf and I'm going to be some kind of like savage. Savage. Barbarian. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your. No, no, no. I like cleric. He's likes cleric too. He's got a cleric. Clerics are fun. They have these. Fun Everybody spells likes cleric. I'm like smite. I don't want to. We we shouldn't be the same. <laughs> Y'all can be. The, there's different kinds of clerics too. There's yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, but yeah, two, we could be two. Uh, no, we're already two podcasters two with personality differences. Grafter, we could be like Franciscan monks. With personality differences, yeah. going after our own drug kingpins. Yeah, yeah. that of poetry and love. Thaumaturgy cantrip sounds useful. Okay, yeah. so I've I've chose that. Okay, cool. And then I go next, I guess. There's okay. a lot of information here. Yeah. Choose yeah. a class. Here Flat. we go. What do you want to do? It's barbarian. Barbarian. You you Barbarians rage. right there at the they top. They can go into a rage. They can fuck shit up. Fighters, of course, you know, like you can like What's a rogue. Oh, maybe, like a thief. Uh, oh, maybe an elf ranger. A bow, dark vision, yeah, woodlands. Think... You're a wood elf, so that would be a good uh, sort of oh, pair. Wait. Of power. Oh, no. What did I do? Oh, I like. Let me go back to the. Oh, I, I got out of the character. No. Sorry. Man, yeah, I, I am terrible with keep... apps. This. It may not be the best app ever uh, devised either, so not to cast aspersions. Wizards of the Coast. Choose your class, right. I am considering Ranger. I'm going to go with Ranger. Oh, man. A Wood Elf Ranger? A Wood Elf Ranger. That sounds like a good, like the right fit. Okay. Add class. Cool. Okay. And then what else? That's it, right? Could be. Oh, abilities. There you go. Choose generational method. Oh, what? Is this just telling you your abilities? Is there anything to choose there? Um, You can go in and choose each individual thing, I'm sure. Or some of it is generated from your race. Shafi, you got to think about your name? I think I should name myself right here. I know what I'm going to be. Crispin. Shang- shangles. What are you? Um, I'm gonna be Rampaggio. Oh, nice. Yeah, the Italian. I'm gonna be paladin. like <laughs> with two G's. So a paladin might be interesting yeah. too, though. Yeah, sure. So you're sort of a holy warrior. Holy warrior. Yeah. You're very. You're very you uh, paladin. Yeah. I like these. There's some suggestions here. Are there? Yeah. What's it say? Well, there's Doric Flipsain. Oh, oh, the names. And there's Jorora Solfant. Oh. Or there's Nanellus Rinti. Maybe I should just go with this. Nanellus Rinti. Nanellus Rinti. Rinti. Which is a bit like Rampy, isn't Uh, it? Yeah. Huh. You should be Rampaji. What about this one? Aravel. Lassamondrant. <laughs> no, I'm going to be Rampaggio G. And what what are you rolling up over there, Schaefer? What's happening? Are you waiting? Are you going to introduce yourself in character in a second? Balthazar Tatiste. You know, a sort of an, a component that's often suggested of these role-playing games is something called Session Zero, which is what we're doing now. You're all rolling up... Uh, Characters. Is this session zero? This is session zero. 
but another uh, part of that is is to sort of discuss the boundaries of the game. So uh, y'all make characters, and then you can share them with me, and I will devise. Schaefer, your eyes lit up when I said detective work. So I will devise a little scenario. And, and Matthew, I know you're you're aching to kill something. So that will include combat. Don't worry. Uh, tailored to your characters. but uh... Okay, so my name is Rampaggio Great, spelled G-R numero no. <laughs> number eight. You're not allowed to do that Rampaggio in fantasy. Great. You're not allowed to do that no, in fantasy. No, I can't do that. No. You can't do that in D and D. Okay, I'll report you. All right, I'm going to go back to the drawing board. You need here. to use. Let me just think of you myself. You have to use a I'm, fantasy I'm a, name. Okay, all right. I am an elf, and, <laughs> and what I'm, does I'm that a mean? wood elf, and I'm on the the outskirts of the wood, and I'm watching yeah. out for. You know what I was thinking the other day is like, what? What about a? Okay, this yeah. I'll storyboard it for you later. Yeah, but yeah. what about a movie that's like the Entlings? never left the world and really like people had to kind of separate themselves from entling like live forests yeah and people had to like build walls i'm gonna choose insight as one of my skills uh anything like perception or society or uh or history you know what i mean like this has brought up the nerd if you can ever say like here's a piece of paper and you're like i i uh I investigate arcana means if it has magic or you know what I mean. There's a bunch of ways that you can uh, look at a document from a historical perspective, from a magic perspective. So anyway, this is nice, Matthew. I can I can heal your wounds by laying my hands on you. That's useful. Right, so are you a cleric? I'm a paladin. Oh yes. Can I? Can my name be... touch hands? You can touch him. Can my name? You touch him. He's I'm, a, I'm a tiefling paladin. Ooh. What the heck? Lay on hands. Lay on hands, and that's a healing. Can is it a cantrip or a spell? It is a first level spell. I guess spells you have a limited number you can use per day. Cantrips are low level stuff you can do all. The I'm gonna time. try. Yeah. I'm gonna bounce another name off you. Thank okay. you for being my sounding okay. board okay, yeah, for yeah, this. Right. How about Arcane J? We probably shouldn't. It's can... weird because you know a guy named Jay. No, but not the but so it not feels the like name Jay, just the letter, letter J. No, fantasy, god damn it. Haven't you ever read okay. any fantasy? Okay. No, this is important because I like have, have. What, what does fantasy mean? Okay. You know, like I'm, I'm I like to define of, it I love as elves. that which never was and never will be. How about that? Is that satisfactory? But there are conventions. There are naming conventions. Sometimes there's just weird apostrophes in the name. That's common fantasy. And so fantasy. should I just start rolling for? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, you're gonna. Abilities. Sometimes you have stats and you can distribute them, but you're rolling them. I like rolling them. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. What are you? So you're rolling well, your wait, strength. And I can't be Arcane Johnson. You can do whatever you want, John. I okay. <laughs> Arcane Johnson. I don't I like. like I don't like. I don't want to do. I don't want to be in this. I, don't, I take it back. Okay. No. I'm sorry. I'm not saying it this. Seriously. Is, this is a good time to talk about session zero because what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to say like, what are we and aren't we cool with? So you know, like some people You're might not be cool not cool with super violence. <laughs> yeah, and I might not be so cool with your names. With dumb so names. like, I'm throwing that out there. Like, 
Okay. I want to. I want to sound like a fantasy book when I'm saying shit. And obviously, all romantic encounters okay. encounters need to be consensual. That's exactly the kind of thing you talk about in session zero. And he, I, Matthew Schaefer's looking right at you when he said that. <laughs> by the way, okay, I've cho- I've chosen my name. It's Arkady Nizhnaya. Oh That's wow, good ability numbers. What did you get? Tell us your abilities. I have one single digit. Okay, fourteen on what is that strength? Oh, I guess I get to choose where yeah. they go. Uh, sure, you can distribute them. Is that? Yeah, which so fourteen should be? So you're a cl- uh, paladin. I'm not sure uh, where you should put your points. Wisdom is is useful for your stuff. Intellect. Maybe not What's so. The difference between intellect and wisdom. Wisdom. Um, you could tell when someone's lying. Uh, intellect. You could f- sort of like figure out a device. Mm. If that makes any Does sense. Does it both be useful for uh, Wisdom mysteries. is good for dealing with people, any sort of interaction, intimidation, uh, or persuasion. Is See, be I have different. persuasion, so... Yeah. Oh, no, maybe I'm oh, just going to stick with strength for now. As a paladin, you'll likely be wielding some sort of sword yeah. or martial weapon, so strength is good. You and know, dexterity... That's also good. I'm going to do 10 dexterity. Okay. And then what are the other ones? Uh, con. Constitution? Constitution. So, uh, like resistance to poison, yeah. uh, fatigue, and stuff like that. And CHA? Charisma. charisma. Yeah. Probably good to That's, have a little Yeah. Charisma. Wisdom and charisma often go kind of together. Uh, persuasion and, and uh, intimidation, stuff like that. What What is this? What is this? Beginning first level, you have a significant experience studying, tracking, hunting, even talking to a certain type of enemy. Yeah. Choose a level one option. Yeah. Aberrations, beasts. Yes. Celestials. Uh, so as as a ranger, dragons. as a ranger, you sort of uh, have this thing that you sort of geek out on, Ooh, and you tool. and you uh, have an advantage on them because of your knowledge. And so aberrations are like. Uh, ghosts, I guess. Uh, like, oh yeah. So maybe beasts would beasts be Beasts are, yeah, cr- to, uh, to have a to have a like you know elk and shit. Okay. You know, or dragons, like, sure, okay. Or humanoids or monstrosities, right? <laughs> what's what's the thing that you have some lore about? I suppose. Shoot, maybe beasts. Right, that mm-hmm. makes sense. That makes sense. And you're a of... wood elf ranger with insight into beasts, so you're very nature, nature, nature. It's all nature. Man, good. I'm screwing this up. No, that's good. Itself. It'll give you like a, a focus on that area. That oh, familiar. and then you choose a type of nature that you're most familiar with. Yeah. What are the options? Arctic, coast, desert, forest, grassland, mountain, swamp. Underdark is oh. that like the caves the and shit? Other place, hell, or, or the upside down place? Uh, no, that's a different plane. Okay, underdark would be the that would be just like caves, caves. and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm gonna go with forest because I'm a wood elf, right? There you go, or mountain. Got it good. Likely, you have some advantage in those. Uh, okay, wow, faith, faith. As a tiefling, you can choose. Does it give you a drop down? It or doesn't. Do you, uh, so um, you can choose your god. 
and there are some suggestions within the Dungeons and Dragons manual of like sort of their fantasy gods, but you can also choose a uh, human one. So you could choose uh, Krishna or uh, the Christian god or Cthulhu. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a, a trickery cleric, and and uh, my faith is actually uh, for Lilith, which uh, if you recall from. Uh, the Bible, which I don't really know that well. She was sort of the uh, the version before Eve. Yeah. And she was not created from the rib. She was created from the uh, clay, same clay as Adam. And she refused to um, be subject to him. So she was sort of cast out. So. Ooh, I could worship Loki, too. There you go. Oh, okay, background... Yeah. Acolyte, criminal spy, folk yeah. hero, haunted one. Oh, yeah. Noble, sage, or soldier. So, you you know, you had this job, but you know, shit happened. Yeah. Whatever. You're your age now. You're 40-something. What, what was the last 10, 20 years like? I think, like, maybe this criminal spat slash spy. Okay. Like, you're like, a paladin with a spy background. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, I could be criminal turned spy. Mm-hmm. Like, so you have this like sort of like dark side. Haunted one, too. Yeah. Oh, right. I think I'm going to go with criminal spy, though. I'll develop that. So you'll probably, that will, what that will do is it'll give you the ability to, to speak something called Thieves Can't, I bet, which is the secret language of the underworld. So that's good. As the dungeon master, I'm supposed to know these things in sort of, uh, deliberately put figures like, oh, here comes this shifty criminal guy, and then you would be able to talk to him, you know. Deception and stealth are my proficiencies. Oh, shit, okay. And I'm proficient with these tools. So you're a chaotic, good paladin who's also kind of, like, uh, sneaky and spy-like. Yeah. So you're a good guy. I think the criminal thing is more in my past. Up. Yeah, yeah. And the spy thing is more kind of what I became. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It's, I mean, it's a setup for a movie, right? It's uh, Ant-Man. Isn't he a criminal? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe not the best one. Who's a criminal uh, term I love him, man. agent for the... Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Is what you, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, no, you're on, you're ball and chain, and they gave you one chance. Yeah. To get out of here. So, anyway. Well, this is <clears throat> pretty in depth, and yeah. we may not get to it yeah. all on this episode. We um, we should look towards the time when these characters are gonna like engage. In yeah, y'all, y'all go, y'all go do your characters. There's a lot of a lot then... of stuff here. I man, I thought this was gonna be more straightforward, but I see that now there are so. It's many fun. It's fun to, to take your time and, yeah. and and really think about. I've really just been like hitting stuff too, yeah. but. Um, might like to go back and be dragonborn. I feel like maybe I was dragonborn. <laughs> dragonborn are, are very intimidating looking. They're like humans, but with sort of dragon. Like, what would they look like? Dragon headed dudes. I'm a sage. What does that mean? Well, I've spent years learning the lore of the multiverse. Oh, okay. I've scoured manuscripts, studied scrolls, and listened to the greatest experts on the subject. And you're still in that. You're, a, you're not still. And I'm you're, a wood elf. You're a wood elf a wood ranger. Elf ranger sage. sage. 
Interesting. You think that's a little should have been a folk hero instead? Well, you know, for me, when it came to this point in character creation, I, I was really sort of thinking about how do I want to play this guy? You know what I mean? Like, how do I? And I think I did uh, what I did for mine was military background because uh, I have a, a a pretty high charisma and so or have a pretty high intimidation. And so I sort of play my guy as sort of an old campaigner. You know, he doesn't have time for the bullshit. This like these like suggested characteristics and then personality traits is pretty insane. Yeah, yeah, lifestyle. <laughs> okay, all right. Deep dive. <laughs> I, I must have a um, modest lifestyle. Well, you know, it's inter- you know this whole thing is very interesting because it's like there's so many options, but really what it's doing is it's generating numerical parameters against which you will roll dice. Yeah. And so most of the time you're rolling a 20-sided dice to see if something is successful or not. And each decision that you make will give you some advantage. So you roll the 20 uh, on something like a strength check to climb up a cliff. And, of course, like you uh, have a certain strength because of your race or, you know, your background or something. You get a little plus, too. You get lots of little pluses, mostly pluses on all these choices that you make. And then you just roll the dice over and over again. And you role play your character. But you role play them up to a dice roll, so you say like, you know, I'm a wood elf sage, and so you know I'm gonna going to attempt to talk to this mystic in some sort of temple at their level, you know. And I say as the dungeon master, I'm like, okay, give me a religion check, and so you look up whatever sort of it, you know pluses you have to religion, and you roll the twenty, and you add that plus, and and I give you a difficulty. I'm like, well. Matthew's got to beat a 10 out of, you know, on a 20-sided dice with whatever advantages you have, you know, in order to It's all about that D20. And then, yeah, yeah, then you have to improvise. You're like, and I'm like, well, no, you didn't. You're like, I, you know, you're when you're doing a detective stuff, you're like, I roll a perception check. And I'm like, you, and it might not be just an on or off, you know, a really high roll might be like, you hear people talking about a heist. And then if you roll a mid-roll, I'm like, you hear muffled voices. You know, and if you roll a low roll, you're like, uh, you don't perceive anything. Don't hear anything. So it's like, you know, uh, investigation, exploration, and then combat, and then the role play or whatever. Shenanigans is fun, too. So, And a lot of people, you know, if you listen to people playing, you know, a lot of people just role play. And I have kids. Well, you know, you have kids, Matthew. You know, they, it's... My kids play Roblox. I don't know if you've seen kids play that. But, you know, there's sort of a game, but sometimes the game is just, like, trash. Like, it doesn't even work. But my kids get in there and they role play because it's a multiplayer game. You know, they're with their friends and they're, like, they just jump around and hop and do the little dance emotes and stuff like that. So, uh, anyway, they're they're open to that. Role play is, it's, it can be fun. It's the improv part. It's the comedy part. You know, you try okay. to get in some choice lines. Well, we should and, do the comedy part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and yet. you know, I Matthew, uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy that. Part. Yeah, okay. and, and you know, if if You'll a lot of people it. are trying to like win D and D, but if you just take the stats you have and we roll against them, and you don't do well, it's funnier okay. because you're like, I attempt to intimidate this guy, and then you're like, you roll it, you get like an eight, you're like, he whatever, he doesn't buy it, you know, and you're like, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll be a poor sport. Yeah, I'll send happens. you a a YouTube link. You can. There's a really good show where some comedians play it together. Yeah. And you can get an idea of how 
how it works. Yeah. Okay. And, but we'll do the combat too. Yeah, okay. we'll do the combat right. too because the combat's more crutchy. More the combat's more like okay, but three people over here and two of them are weak and one of them is strong and I'm gonna go here and hit them with this. It's a numbers game. Yeah, yeah, okay. and you can sort of move around too. So you'll be thinking. But even combat can be more than just like, all right, I'm gonna try to shoot that one enemy with my arrow. You know, you can say something like, "Well, I, you know, I noticed some ivy around there. I'd like yep. to try to grab that ivy and wrap it around everybody's legs, there so that go. when they make their next move, they fall over." Yeah, you know, you can get creative. Yeah, and as the dungeon master, I'd be like, "Okay, let's try this." Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, what if would it's that something be? complicated like that, he might give me a high. He's like, "Well, you could do that." But yeah. you're gonna have to get an eighteen or higher roll. Yeah, I'll give you a you want to pull it off. Do a dexterity, or yeah, some sort of athletics or acrobat or sleight of hand. And I mean, that's another test I can do. Yeah, you can also say things like, "I want to do an old school." I'm I'm sitting down on my hands and knees behind him, and Schaefer pushes him over, you know, and knocks yeah. him over that way or something. You know, like anything goes. Yeah, it's just it's limited by your imagination. I'm just wondering about <clears throat> our listeners and. Whether or not they really want to hear us playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll never know. Listen to it'll us. Be, okay. yeah, that's, so, do you know, have a poem a special to episode. take us out of your Beans, so thankful that you were yes. able to swing by and, oh, yeah. and record this podcast with us. Always, always fun. Out here. It's like, a beautiful night. It's like 70, yeah, 60, perfect night. It's, it's beautiful. Kind of space station weather. You, um, <laughs> well, I appreciate the invite and I hope I can come back. And you what I was going to say is you, that you're, you're in a rarefied group of those that have been on the podcast twice now. Uh, it's like the SNL thing. Know, it's actually rarefied. Who's group. been there? Who's been here the most times? So. Yeah. Well, you've got two on them. Uh, Ellen Ferguson got at us and asked us to, oh no, it was Nicholas. Asked us to have Lauren Marks back on the show now that her kids are older to talk about how her kids, you know, have have learned the language. Oh, okay. You so think she? You think she wants to do? I'm that? Sure, she does. Yeah, she'd be down. Hmm. You need to be thinking about your third visit to the podcast now that we're talking. Now that other people are talking about their second time. Okay. No, I don't. Know. What am I? What am I saying? <laughs> it's not a contest. It's a podcast. Everything's a contest. Is it? No. Shall we go back to? How about one more from Philip Levine? We've been enjoying his poems lately. An extraordinary morning by Philip Levine. Two young men. You just might call them boys waiting for the Woodard Street car to get them downtown. Yes, they're tired. They're also dirty and happy. Happy because they've finished a short work week. And if they're not rich, they're as close to rich as they'll ever be in this town. Are they truly brothers? You could ask the husky one, the one in the black jacket. He fills to bursting. He seems friendly enough, snapping his fingers while he shakes his ass and sings, Sweet Lorraine, or if you're put off by his mocking tone, ask the one leaning against the locked door of Ruby's rib shack, the one whose eyelids flutter in time with nothing. Tell him it's crucial to know if, in truth, this is brotherly love. He won't get angry. He's too tired for anger. 
too relieved to be here. He won't even laugh, though he'll find you silly. It's Thursday. Maybe a holy day somewhere else. Maybe the Sabbath. But these two, neither devout nor cynical, have no idea how to worship except by doing what they're doing, singing a song about a woman they love merely for her name, breathing in and out the used and soiled air they wouldn't know how to live without, and by filling the twin bodies they've disguised as filth. I like that poet. And that Philip Levine. Thanks so much, Ben. Yeah. Thanks, One Magical Nation. Oh, yeah. And the poor are the choices. The sweet of the wine.
unnecessary pedigree of good suggestion.